Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of She's in Tech. I'm Maria Loza, one of your hosts. I'm Susan Ma. I am currently an apprentice here at this dot. Hi, and I'm Lauren Cooney, and I'm going to be sharing some tips around how to accelerate your career today. All right. So just to start us off, I'm going to go ahead and have everyone introduce themselves. I'll start off. Again, I'm Maria Loza. I have a computer science degree from a Cal State University. I have graduated about three years ago. And so I have three years of experience in programming. And I am more fluent in Lit Element at the moment, and I really enjoy working with uh, web development. And you can find me at uh, you can find me in Twitter or at Twitter. My handler is at this underscore underscore Maria. And I'll go again into having Susan introduce herself. Yeah, so um, I'm Susan Ma again. My Twitter handle is at Spooky Supremo, and I come from a non-technical background. I finished a full stack programming bootcamp a little over a year ago. Um, I had some inter- internship and job experience and wanted something a little bit different. So I'm focusing more on the front end. And here as an apprentice at this dot, I'm doing a mix of client projects and DevRel. And DevRel is something really new to me that I've enjoyed so far. So that is something sort of on my plate that I'm considering pursuing for professional growth. But it's been really exciting to meet a lot of new people in the industry and get to be a part of these projects here at this dot. Um, so it's really exciting to, again, meet new people. Um, and we'll go ahead and have Lauren give us a little background about herself as well. Sure. So thank you so much for sharing about yourselves. I think you've got some phenomenal backgrounds here. You know, I, I started out myself doing a government program called AmeriCorps VISTA when I first graduated from college. Um, and that was helping people build businesses, technical or non-technical. And then I went into venture capital for about a year and a half and I w- I loved it, but I just, I didn't know enough about the tech. I knew enough about the business side. So I took a job actually in developer relations, building out the user group program at a company called BEA Systems, which was is now Oracle. But, you know, from there I went into, I did a lot of work around, uh, I ended up running the, the developer relations team there and then moved over to IBM where I focused a lot on open source and web 2.0 wow. and then went up to Microsoft where I, uh, I led the web platform team and that's now Azure. And from there, jumped over to Juniper, did a lot of work with developers and partnerships again, and then went to Cisco where I helped to build the software-defined networking strategy as well as their future software strategy and, you know, really work to enable, you know, networking to be as easy as possible for anyone that, you know, kind of looks at it from, you know, the software perspective. Um, And, you know, and then I decided to take a break for a little while. And I, you know, I took about six months off and then I went back to a company called Equinix and was there for about six months. And it was, it's a great company. It just wasn't a fit for me personally. Mm-hmm. And then I started my own company. And about two years ago, I pivoted to do career strategy coaching and executive coaching. And so that's what I focus on now. So I've got 20 years of expertise in enterprise technology, Fortune 500 companies. And I work with clients from around the globe. Um, you know, my clients, I have literally every single FANG company is on my client roster, as well mm-hmm. as a couple pharmaceutical companies, a couple healthcare companies, you know, Microsoft, Cisco, and, you know, another, you know, a couple other handfuls. So I work across the board in the tech industry and I keep my ear really close to the ground because my goal is to keep women in the pipeline 
in technology and also help people as they're looking to break into technology. That's very impressive. <laughs> this I feel like today's podcast is going is going to be very interesting and so much learning um, from this. When I went freelance, I was still only a few years into my development career. My first contract, I was paid 60 bucks an hour. Due to feedback from my friends, I raised it to 120 bucks an hour on the next contract. And due to the podcasts I was involved in and the screencasts I had made in the past, I started getting calls from people I'd never even heard of who wanted me to do development work for them because I had done that kind of work or talked about or demonstrated that kind of work in the videos and podcasts that I was making. Within a year, I was able to more than double my freelancing rates, and I had more work than I could handle. If you're thinking about freelancing or have a profitable but not busy or fulfilling freelance practice, let me show you how to do it in my Dev Heroes Accelerator. Dev Heroes aren't just people who devs admire, they're also people who deliver for clients who know, like, and trust them. Let me help you double your income and fill your slowdowns. You can learn more at devheroesaccelerator.com. I do want to mention to our listeners, the topic is going to be what makes a career in tech successful beyond the technical. And as you all heard, Lauren has just so much experience that she can share with us. So I'm very excited to hear more about what she's got to offer. So Lauren, what would you say that what, what is there more to, you know, a career in tech that doesn't have to be just technical, what else do we need it to be successful? Yeah, I think that, well, there's a lot of different things. And obviously, you know, technical is part of it, but technical and working hard are only going to get you so far into your career. You know, there are, you know, let's start out with the simplest one. I've got a list of a couple of things that I think are going to be super helpful for folks. And the first one I've listed, which I talk about all the time, is that your boss is the number one indicator of your success. So when you think about it, they control your reviews, they control the projects you're on, they control, you know, your base salary and your bonus, they control any advanced training, any coaching money that you get, anything that you are doing, they basically have oversight over. So you want to make sure that when you're going into, when you're breaking into tech, especially, you know, sometimes it's important to get into the company first, and then you can transfer to a boss that you want. But it's also important to always look for the right person, not just the right company. Because fundamentally, you're going to have to build a relationship of trust with that person to get what you want and to succeed in your career. And I highly, highly recommend you interviewing the person who's going to be your boss just as hard as they're going to interview you. Do you, just going off of that, do you have any suggested questions on what we should be interviewing our potential bosses? Sure. I think that the first thing you should be asking them is, you know, can you tell me a little bit about, you know, the working environment and... And, you know, the schedule that the team runs on, right? Because the team typically runs on a regular, a pretty consistent schedule. There, there may be some outliers, but you know, from there, that's an easy kind of breakthrough question. And then you can get into some of the harder stuff, which is like, you know, beyond tell me about yourself, because you want to establish that connection first. But as you, as you have folks telling you about themselves, you can get into, okay, well, what motivates you? And mm-hmm questions around, okay, can you tell me what, like, you know, do you do yearly reviews? You want to make sure you're at a company that does yearly reviews because you want to have a track record of what your success looks like. And then, you know, ask them about their leadership style, ask them about the opportunity for stretch projects, ask them about the opportunity for visibility, and ask them about the opportunities for, um, you know, upward mobility and ensuring that there is enough room above you to get promoted because that's very important. Mm-hmm. No, I completely agree. 
I do want to add into that if for some reason you're not talking to the person, you know, your boss in these interviews, it's still a great, you know, to ask your recruiter or whoever you're interviewing with, because they might have some idea or they might be able to go ahead and find the person to get that answers for you and email it to you later. So mm -hmm. thank you so much. I feel like the questions on the part of the interviewer are always lacking. <laughs> There's always, you know, so much up in the air that, you know, these questions are going to be very useful. Thank you. Yeah, of course. And I think one of the things that kind of like feeds into that too, and this is something that I also look for when I'm hiring in tech, but also for my teams when I'm building out organizations, is really um, attitude and adaptability. Because you Absolutely. want to ensure that the the people that are working on your team, they're they're, you know, they have the, they have joy doing it. They're happy doing it. Yeah. And, you know, they they love what they do. And so that's that's part of it is ensuring that your employees are mapping to their passions. And then adaptability is something that you want to look at um, from from a leader perspective. I look at it as, you know, how fast can you pivot? Right. Because there's so many times where, you know, um, when I was working for I, I've worked for a couple of CTOs in my time. And and I will tell you that the agenda changes sometimes hourly. And so the ability for your team to react, you know, in a positive way to challenges that are coming at you or different things that you're getting with is incredibly important. And also it's going to be important for you to, you know, adaptability is also cr critical for the times like, you know, that we're in like COVID, right? Like all of a okay. sudden we all have to work in our home space where, you know, we've got, we're homeschooling kids or we're you know, trying to share office space and there's, mm -hmm. you know, there's lots of overlaps there. And I think that, you know, the more adaptable you are, the, the better it is for the whole team. Yeah, definitely. It's, it's interesting, especially, you know, mentioning COVID, how everyone's going and working from home. It's, it's so incredible to see how many people have been able to adapt. I mean, of course, there's been some struggles through it, but just to see like even some companies now are even discussing, you know what, working from remote remote is going very well. Maybe we should continue doing this even after. So yeah. I just, you know, adaptability is definitely something that we need. And especially when it comes to like in the, the programming side of it, there might be a case where the server's down, you know, you have to stop everything and then start working on getting the server up. Why is it, you know, why is it down? You might even have to start communicating with other people and other teams. So definitely be quick on your feet and, yeah. you know, being adept. And, and, you know, it's, it's also there, there, I've got so many interesting stories about like, you know, like major services going down that, you know, my companies ran at certain times and like, you know, the Eastern seaboard going down or like, you know, big, big yeah. lots of land literally and getting those things back up is so critical and also ensuring that, you know, you've got the right team to do so is, is mm -hmm. super important. And I think there's also when, you know, as we're talking about, you know, adaptability, I want to, I want to bring something up that's a tip for folks. Mm -hmm. And that is what I call RCAT and it's R-C-A-A-T. And what that stands for is remain calm at all times. <laughs> that's a really good one. <laughs> that is some of the best advice I ever got because literally when a crisis is hitting, if you are the most calm person, people are going to come to you for mm -hmm. what to do, right? Mm -hmm. And whether you're the right person or not, quite frankly. 
And they, they will look to you for leadership because you're the one that seems to be able to manage this, like what's going on and what's happening and what the solution is. But also it keeps you, it keeps you calm, right? Mm-hmm. You know, and there may be ideas that are racing in your head, but, you know, on the outside, you know, you're cool as a cucumber, right? <laughs> and they, um, you know, the goal is really to ensure that you are delivering and displaying executive presence because that is something that mm-hmm. folks look for. So, you know, mm-hmm. something happens and, you know, shit hits the fan. You basically want to make sure that, you know, you can remain calm at all times. You can hold that executive presence. You can do that, you know, do all these these things for your boss and your team. And, you know, I'll tell you an example of when that's been used with me. You know, I had, a, I was, I was pitching a big presentation to some senior leadership, you know, senior vice presidents, executive vice presidents. And someone asked me a question that was totally off the mark, right? Like just not even really relating to the content. And, you know, I think my boss from across the room saw, you know, my my kind of eyebrows going to a little <laughs> bit of a furrow. And I got this text immediately that said RCAT. And I knew that I just, regardless, just remain cool push the question mm-hmm. off, continue on the presentation, right? Mm-hmm. Like don't even give the person time, just continue with what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's awesome. That seems like a really good tip, you know, regardless of what position you're in. I feel like if I had heard that tip as a student in my boot camp, um, yep. even though my coding skills, you know, were minimal and my world was very small back then, I feel like being able to practice that early on mm-hmm. um, only just you know, it only gets better after time and experience. So I think if people are able to master that earlier on, you know, it still remains with you as part of sort of how you navigate your day to day, how you get promoted, how you move up, how you work with teams and all that. So yeah, that's Mm -hmm. a really great tip, Lauren. Yeah. And I mean, I have also been in, you know, group meetings with outside partners, for example, where something has occurred and everyone freaks out, the partner freaks out, the leader freaks out, you know, Mm -hmm. everyone's swearing. And, you know, you're the person that's standing there saying, all right, like, hey, let's, let's, let's take a seat. Let's take a deep breath. We're going to go attack this this way now. Right. And I think that that just really sets the stage for other people to kind of regain their, their calmness, but also the common sense about the situation. Mm. Yeah, it really boils down to just having that one person because, as you said, you could be in this stressful situation, but if you can see that, you know, someone else is calm and trying to get everything back to order, then it rubs off, you know, to the the entire team. And then everything goes back to being calm, even though there's a lot of things going on. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's a lot of things that, you know, that type of coolness is, you know, should be required or, you know, should be mastered by leaders or at least be thought through. I feel like there's sometimes that we, we forget especially if we're trying to lead a team that we're, you know, we're that person that everyone turns to and we have to make sure that everyone's going to be okay. You know, we got this, we're a team, you know, I know it looks bad, but we, we, we can do this. Let's just remind calm. Yeah. And as a boss, I mean, do you really, or as a, as a team member, let's say this, do you really want a boss that's running around with their head cut off? <laughs> that's totally not what you're looking for. You need, sometimes mm-hmm. people need yeah. to educate their bosses on RCAT as well. And mm-hmm. so the way I recommend that is just saying, Hey, you know, one of the ideas that I heard on a podcast was this, right. And mm-hmm. putting that idea in front of your boss and just giving it him or her that little tip 
I think is sometimes helpful as well. If you're dealing with a boss that may not, you know, may, may sense urgency more frequently than they need to. Mm. Yeah, no, I think it should definitely be part of like their onboarding or work, some even workshops throughout the years or the, the year, I should say, because again, I, I feel like this is something that sometimes it's lacking and, you know, having that boss or your, your tech lead or anyone in that position who just starts freaking out over something, you know, might be minimal or it might be huge, but you don't want your entire team being stressed out. And then again, going into what you would do, I think we should do this. But then, you know, after everything's calm, it's like, oh, we should not have done that. <laughs> we, we need to fix that now, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think, and having that leader that just moves everything over is just, is really that saving grace too, mm-hmm. I think. Mm-hmm. And, you know, adding, you know, even, even adding on to RCAT, you know, that is a form of communication, right? Being mm-hmm. silent and is a form of communication, whether you want to acknowledge that or not. Like when you're quiet, you're saying a lot. Mm-hmm. And when you pause, you say a lot. Mm-hmm. So one of the things, the first thing that I, that I talk to people about in communication, when I'm, when I'm talking to them about advancing their careers is trying to understand how they communicate and how well they listen. Because those are all parts of communication that are, you know, it's critical for, you know, for you to understand what someone else is saying to you. So listening, I think, is the first part I try to really focus down on for communication. And then also the power of silence as you are, you know, basically going through, you know, different different conversations. So, for example, if it's a tough conversation, you're negotiating a salary, right? And you're, you want the other person to speak and they want you to speak first. Let's say you're talking to a recruiter, you know, there, there's always the war of who's going to speak first. Don't speak, literally just be quiet and they'll be forced to speak at some point. And that's important to, to know. You don't have to always be the first person to say something, right? You could be thinking about something, you know, you can say things like, you know, just let, if you can hold a minute, I just need to finish my thought on this. Right. Or, you know, if you can wait just a minute, I want to write something down. That's, you know, giving you some time, but also just the power of not saying anything mm-hmm. is often more powerful than saying something. That's very true. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, I have definitely. a question based on the communication that you mentioned, where, especially with COVID 19 and most companies who are not used to, used to working remote, having to all of a sudden have everyone go remote. Mm-hmm. Um, do you see any unique needs that have come up from this type of communication via, for example, Zoom or just other messaging services versus oh, yeah. companies and teams who've just worked in person? I I see what I see is actually, I think at first, you know, and there's all these great TikTok videos about how at first everyone was like, oh, Zoom, Zoom happy hour, Zoom games, Zoom this, Zoom that, right? And then now it's Zoom exhaustion, like, you know? Mm-hmm. And, you know, when I look at teams, I think that there needs to be certain things like no meeting days or no Zoom days because or, you know, sometimes, you know, I'll work with my clients and I'll say, hey, let's make sure. Do you want to take this as a call or as a video? Because oftentimes a call with video takes up a lot more of your energy and you may not just have that energy that day to do it. And you may be better on a phone call. So, you know, I think always, you know, especially if it's a one on one meeting, Having that option or at least providing that option is super important. You know, obviously communicating and and clearly setting expectation with your boss and your team about, for example, when you work, when you don't work, what time's okay to text and what times are not okay to text. Mm-hmm. Things along those lines are very important. 
But I think, you know, the most, the most important is, is, is literally just telling people about it. Right. And over communicating that so that folks, Mm -hmm. if they're not listening, eventually, you know, you say something the fifth time, they'll get it. Right. You hope, Mm -hmm. you hope. And if not, then (laughs) they may be a lost cause, but you know, for, for the, you know, all intensive purposes, you know, folks should respect that, that space that you've set up around yourself. Hey folks, I don't know if you've noticed, but I've been working a lot on figuring out how to help people become the most valuable developers on their teams or becoming the top 5% of developers in the field. If you're looking to level up, figure out how to contribute more, get the career you want, get the career that you want that will support the lifestyle you want, then you should check out the Most Valuable Dev Summit. I've invited some of my friends across the community, people that you've heard of, people that have worked on systems that you use on a daily basis, people who have invented new ways of doing things over the years in programming, and I've asked them one question, and that question is, how do you become a top 5% developer? How do you become one in 20 of the best developers out there? And so we're going to go ahead and have that conversation with them in interviews on the Most Valuable Dev Summit. And you can find that at summit.mostvaluable.dev. It's funny that you bring up the the Zoom exhaustion because I was just listening to a podcast. I think it was last week or the week prior where they, they mentioned and did the same example where everyone at the beginning was very, let's, you know, get on Zoom or whatever platform it is. Let's play some games. Let's just like, you know, check in, have these little tiny parties. And then it, they were mentioning how everyone's just so tired, you know, <laughs> just getting on a meeting now or even a Zoom call. You just don't want to even answer. You don't even want to go and like play games because you're just really exhausted. So having the option between a video call and a, I guess, a voice call, those are two different things. They're huge, mm-hmm. you know. I feel like considering how much people have been staying at home, you know, getting up and getting dressed and getting ready that itself is very exhausting because it's like, well, now I, you know, I have a, a video meeting, you know, later today, I have to make sure I'm, I'm presentable. And it's, even though it sounds minor, it is something that does take a toll on our brain, especially so many, you know, almost a year in. So that's a great, you know, suggestion, making sure that there's days that yeah. we don't have meetings, you know, the option of going between and do we really need a video call or can we get this solved? Yeah. And if communication is really, really great, you can even get it solved through, you know, text or not text, but yeah, I guess text or, you know, Slack or email, et cetera. So it's just, yeah, it's always a learning process. I think, you know, one of the tips that I, that I share frequently is if you're getting invited to a lot of meetings, right. Mm -hmm. Ask the person who is inviting you if there Mm -hmm. is what the purpose, what your purpose is in the meeting, Mm -hmm. if you Mm -hmm. need to be there or if you're optional, and if you need to be there, what is the agenda and what is the hopeful outcome so that you can, you know, and then two things happen there, right? One, you may not have to go to the meeting, which would be great, right? And it may be one of those meetings that you just don't have to go to. You're optional and you're informed. And as long as you know what happened in the meeting, it's fine. You don't need to be, you know, making any decisions. You know, the second thing there is like, if you do need to be in the meeting, then you get an agenda and you're more prepared. Right. Mm -hmm. So it is it's forcing the other person to make a call and also create more order in, you know, in the chaos of this online world. Right. So Mm -hmm. like send an agenda in advance. That's that's an absolute must for meetings today, just so folks know Mm -hmm. that 
it's been an absolute must for meetings for as long as, you know, I've been in the business workforce, right? So that's over 20 mm-hmm. years now. But people, people just like to send out Zoom invites without any content. And I think having, yep. having an outline of what the goal is and what the objective is and who's going to be speaking or who needs to show up is, is important. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I feel like that's, I feel because of the situation that we're in, there's been an increase of just, you know, Google Meets uh, links or Zoom links just being sent left or right. And it's like, the title might not even be very descriptive. First of all, it might just be the name of the, the people that are involved. And it's, that's it. It's all you get. And then you start stressing because everyone's on a little bit more tense and it's like, what is it about? You know, I have no idea what it's about. And even if you try to connect, you know, connect with them, I think it is part of the, you know, their end to make sure that all the descriptions ready agenda and be able to, you know, answer questions before the meeting. So yes, definitely an agenda is very important. And I think, you know, as, as you look at things like agendas, and as you look at making things a little bit more formalized, like Mm -hmm. one of the things that you want to do when you're presenting like a project or an idea, one is to ensure that you're basing your conclusions in data, right? Mm -hmm. Because everyone can respond, you can, you can, yes, you can display data lots of different ways, but if you keep it authentic, right, and, Mm -hmm. and true to what the data says, it's important that you're showing leadership that you did research and you're understanding what the goals and objectives should be. And the output that you're expecting is based on that data. I can't tell you how many presentations I've seen that are just like, hey, if we do this, this will happen. And I, I, and my first question is always, well, why? Right? <laughs> how, how do you know this? Mm-hmm. And, you know, we don't know. But if, you know, you involve data in that decision, Mm-hmm. then it's going to be a much more informed decision with much less risk. And mm-hmm. leaders like don't leaders don't like risk, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. You want to eliminate as much risk as possible in your business. And mm-hmm. so, you know, ensuring that you're you're basing things in that in that data is extremely important. Yeah, I, I like to add in the fact that it reminds me of what technical designs are as well. You know, when there's a new feature coming in and you know, as a dev team, you have to implement it. But of course, there's times that some teams just go ahead and start coding and don't really think of it. Whereas the technical documentation is very extremely important that not many you know coders realize how crucial it is that you need to stop, write everything out. What does it got to do? Why does it have to do it that way? You know, what are the risks, as you say? What are the solutions to those? What's the best solution out of that? And, and explain why you chose that. And then also mention a factor in the fact that if we go with that solution, what are the limitations we're going to go into? And can we solve those limitations? Or, you know, do we need to bring these up to our product owner? So all of these, you know, these these ideas that need to be, you know, formalized that some people don't realize that are extremely important. That makes the production even smoother because you, you start asking questions of, oh, you know, what if can it be this and this, you know? And it's stuff like that that you don't realize if you were just to go, you know, straight forward and start coding. And it's the same with presentations. And that's what makes it really important when it comes to, you know, working in, in a career like this. There's more than just, you know, just going in. There's a lot of, you know, behind the scenes as well. 
Most definitely. And I think, I think you mentioned something that is important, which is, you know, in careers, there's a lot going on behind the scenes and things like that. And, um, and there is, there's like, you know, family life, there's, Mm -hmm. you know, kids, there's a lot of other things, but one of the things that I is absolutely critical if you're looking to accelerate your career is to find someone, doesn't matter who it is, it doesn't matter if you know them or not, but find someone that you aspire to be somewhat like in five to 10 years, right? And it can be also like a generalization. It doesn't have to be a person, right? And you kind of take a look at their path and see where did they go? What did they do? And if, you know, you have the opportunity to meet them through, you know, a introduction or, you know, sometimes I even recommend if it's, if it's, you know, someone who you, you know, or are one connection off of on LinkedIn, I sometimes recommend just reaching out and introducing yourself and seeing if you can get 30 minutes on their calendar to, you know, mm-hmm. see if you can get that information from them on, on, you know, how did they build their career? What mistakes did they make? What challenges did they face? How do they overcome these things? And how do they get to where they are today? Right? Oh, yeah. Because we don't get a lot of that information from leaders, because I think, that leaders like to be seen as bulletproof. And quite frankly, they're not. And, you know, is as we are all looking to create safer spaces in our work environments and have more empathy, it's it's so important that we understand that, you know, our our leaders, you know, they they need to be transparent and they need to be, you know, telling us what is, you know, what's going on to the extent that they can so that we feel safer in our own environments, right? Mm-hmm. And it's important for us to speak up and say, if you don't feel comfortable about something, pull your leader aside and say, hey, I don't really feel comfortable with this, or this makes me very uncomfortable. Or, you know, if it's someone on your immediate team, pull them aside and say say something to that effect too, because it is it's important that people know that you know, you don't feel right in that environment. And if you don't feel right in that environment, you're not going to do your best work. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. so cycling from the communication that you mentioned, um, I feel like having transparent communication, you know, builds better teams and ultimately gives you success in what you're doing. So in your role, how do, how do you define success? You know, whether it's for yourself in your current role or success of your team, do you feel like you know, that those points have changed over the years or particularly over the last year with COVID? I guess in general, just how would you define a success for yourself? So, so when I, and, I, and I'll re kind of scope this to when I was in corporate America, because now I run a career strategy firm and, you know, my, my success is all based upon my client's success truly, right? And if I can get them promoted and raises, which, you know, I usually can, then things, things are great, right? But for, when you're looking at it from the team perspective, right? Let's say you're running an organization or you're a member of a team. The way that I look at it, the way that I used to look at it is that I put the company first or no, I put the, the team first, the comp- my boss second, the company third and myself fourth. That was wrong. That was totally wrong. Interesting. Because a company is an entity and does not care about you. Mm. And that's the, that's just the reality, right? I don't, it does not matter. And I do not care what HR or anyone else says, like your company is, is there because they want to make money and Mm -hmm. HR is there to protect your company. So you need to be aware of that. And so I changed the way that I thought about things. And 
when I realized that, I mean, it was a slap in the face too. I mean, it was obviously came along with a, you know, there was a story behind how I kind of got to that conclusion. But I think the bigger picture is, is what I learned was around how to put my team first, mm-hmm. myself second, my boss third, and the company last. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah, that that is a difficult thing to wrap your brain around because especially for new people coming into, you know, working first, I feel like they almost feel like the O the company for being, you know, thank you for hiring me. This is like my first job, you know, et cetera, or my second. And I don't think they realize that the company is just, you know, a face that is, as you say, just looking to be, you know, grabbing more money, getting there. And I think we need more people saying that, hey, you know, the company is not something that you're, you know, need to be loyal to. It's the, you know, your team, yourself. And then I love the order that you were saying. So thank you. You know, yeah, no. So and if you're, if you're, and if you're new into your job or into tech or into any, any career, right. Like, and, and you start to get, like, first you are first and foremost, the most important thing. And once you get kind of assimilated in the culture and things, you'll understand that like, Hey, as a team, we need to put ourselves first. Like mm-hmm. these are my peers. These are my colleagues. These are my, hopefully my friends. Right. And I want to ensure that we're all successful right? That's why you put that first, right? Mm. Because that's because at the end of the day, you know, there is no I in team, right? And it's important to kind of look at it as a group effort. And I have never seen any organization that that I have run be successful with just one person running it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's true. I love that you are emphasizing the fact that people should come first, regardless of your business, regardless of what field you're in and your position. You know, whether you're someone like me, who's more of a newer and junior dev, or if you're a CEO of a company, what it may be, like when you put people first, I feel like there's sort of this honest process where you're always still right in a way because you are putting people first. And I understand that sometimes I can redefine, you know, how a business, you know, defines being successful. But I feel like when you have happy people on your team, happy employees in your company, that usually comes into fruition into different segments of success versus, you know, money first all the time kind of thing. And, And, you know, obviously there's logistics to that, but, you know, people first seems like the way to go. And I think, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll give you a concrete example, right? I joined a company and I reorganized uh, 15 people that I was managing, right? At that time, I think there was just 15 and then I got another team. So there were about 30 of us Mm -hmm. and I, met with every single employee and literally was, was matched them up to, they were, they were all in the wrong jobs. First of all, I couldn't understand how they got there, (laughs) but, um, (laughs) you know, we matched them up with where they had passion and joy and things like that. And, uh, you know, six months later, I was reporting a 1200% return on an investment for the company, right. Just with what we had done over the past six months. And that was just reorganizing people and, you know, we ended up spending less money and doing more things because people were just really passionate and excited about what they were doing. And we got mm-hmm. more, we got better results. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. It goes back to, you know, communication being extremely important, you know, taking your time, getting to know your people and just seeing where they can be, you know, very successful and strive for and be passionate about. Uh, so again, Communication, communication, communication is extremely important. One more thing too, just really quickly, because I know we're about to 
wrap it up, but I think that it's important to also make sure that you are offering support to your team members. So whether they're colleagues or whether you're their leader or whatnot, like if someone seems like they're struggling right now, like just, you know, it can be a text, it can be a DM, it can be something of the effect, but reach out and check on them. Right. Because it's people caring about people that are going to get us through what we're going through now. And frankly, it's just the right thing to do overall. Mm -hmm. And I I think that I I see a lot more of it during COVID and I hope that it continues, quite frankly. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, definitely. We need to remember to reach out and be there for everyone, too. Mm-hmm. All right. With that said, <laughs> I would like to go into our next phase of our podcast, which is our picks. Hey, folks, this is Charles Maxwood, and I just launched my book, The Max Coder's Guide to Finding Your Dream Developer Job. It's up on Amazon. We self-published it. I would love your support. If you want to go check it out, you can find it there. The Max Coder's Guide to Finding Your Dream Developer Job. Have a good one. Max out. For those listening, our picks are just things that we, I guess, <laughs> are very excited to talk about or just want to share with you. And I would start with myself. My pick would, I guess, would have to be my glasses. Uh, for those who are just listening, my glasses are important to me because I'm always in a computer. And from what I've noticed in the last few years, my eyes have slowly got worse, not to the point where like I need actual glasses and to drive or, you know, even walk around. It's more the fact that these glasses help me with um, seeing stuff on my computer, making it not too tiny. And it also has like that blue tint shield thing as well. So it makes my headaches even less because I used to get headaches a lot. And that's the reason why I went into the eye doctor and got these. So if it wasn't for these, I think uh, my head would be pounding at the end of the day every day. (laughs) So uh, yeah, that's, that's my pick. And I'm really grateful for my glasses. Susan, if you can go uh, next. So, so truthfully, this is the first job where I've been fully remote. So I'm not used to having a separate space to work, right? I used to be the type, oh, I can, you know, sit on my couch in the living room and I can work. But you know, having done this for a few months now, I was like, man, I really need a dedicated workspace. So I started accumulating different office uh, equipment that, again, I was not used to having. And I am really picky about wires. I hate it when wires are exposed. That's just a weird sort of, if I see it, I feel stressed kind of thing. So I invested in a nice cable box. It's a really large one that fits a huge power strip. And it is sort of my go-to for everything in terms of Let's say I have my phone charger hooked up in there or I need to charge my headphones, whatever it is. So I'm using, I think the brand is called Blue Lounge and they make variety of sizes, but I have a really large one. Yep. (laughs) Um, That includes basically everything I need to hook up. So it's awesome because everything hides in the box and it has like a top. It's basically like a container with a top. And, you know, sometimes (laughs) it's kind of funny, but sometimes if my laptop needs a little boost where I need to level it up a few inches. I just literally set my laptop on top of it on my desk sometimes. Because again, it's just having to put together a, a an office space at home is can be a little bit more difficult than people think just because I didn't realize how many preferences I had. For example, you know, even to color or size or where I'm placing what. So um, for me, it's given me a lot of relief and just especially visual relief of not having to see the wires everywhere. So definitely recommend some sort of cable box um, if you're having some cable management issues. So since I wrote down that tip, I think it's a great one and I I super appreciate it. 
Um, I actually have two, if that's all right, just really quickly. So the first, and these are going to be yin and yang to each other, just, you know, forewarning. So the first thing is that, and I focus on doing this, you know, once a day is getting outside and taking like a 15 or 30 minute walk, Mm -hmm. right? Because Mm -hmm. I find like, I think like literally like three months, four months into COVID, I was like, I don't think I'm getting outside enough, right? Like I literally (laughs) had the realization of like, I'm not getting sun, right? Mm -hmm. And everyone needs sun for, you know, even if it's snowing or, you know, raining in your area right now, or, you know, get a light that gives you some sort of, you know, vitamin D, that's, that's Mm -hmm. super important to just have. And then, you know, to flip things over to the other side, I also found out the other, just last week that the Girl Scouts are still selling cookies Mm -hmm. And they've extended their, their selling period this year because of COVID. And Mm -hmm. I highly recommend the thin, the chocolate thin mints. They're excellent as well as the s'mores. Those are my two favorite kinds of cookies. So, you know, get sun and eat cookies and you'll be good. That's (laughs) what I'm trying to get across here. (laughs) Best tips. Yeah. Sounds yummy. Well, thank you everyone for listening to another episode of She's in Tech. Again, I'm Maria Loza and you can find me on Twitter through my handler at this underscore underscore Maria. Great. And you can find me, Lauren Cooney at L or sorry, at L-C-O-O-N-E-Y, L Cooney on Twitter. Mm -hmm. And this is Susan. You can find me on Twitter at Suki Supremo. And thanks for listening. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com to learn more.